back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we talk over the big news and events of the week. And we got a little something special for you on this one because this is going to be a combination of our preview show. Uh, quite frankly, we have been doing a lot of volume shooting with the podcast this this week and actually over the past couple of weeks just because of how condensed the game schedule was. So rather than produce two shows, we figured we would mix this in and just cover the preview right off the bat and then move on to our normal weekend warm-up type uh, <laughs> story. So let's just take a quick look at Bayern Munich versus Wolfsburg and where these two squads are at, how they match up, and you know basically just what this game's going to look like because I think at the beginning of the season, I was on this train where I thought Wolfsburg was really going to be a solid team. I thought they were going to uh, be one of the prime contenders for a Champions League spot in the Bundesliga, but uh, I was wrong. I was really uh, wrong on that because they've been pretty horrific of late. Um, they have not been good I- I- at all. So let's take a look at their recent form and we'll check things out. Of course, we'll hit Bayern first. Bayern is sitting first atop the table, 13 wins, one draw, two losses, 52 goals for, 16 against. They have 40 points, and they have won four of their last five matches. And that includes the 5-0 victory over Stuttgart earlier this week. As for Wolfsburg, uh, (laughs) it's not good. Uh, In fact, what we've kind of referred to them as is down bad. Uh, They are down really bad, actually. Uh, Wolfsburg has been a mess. And... They are sitting in 11th place through 16 games. They have six wins, two draws, eight losses. They've only scored 17 goals. Uh, they've given up 25. They have 20 points, and they have lost four straight games and are, oh, for their last five, uh, going back to November 19th, they earned a 2-2 draw with Armenia Bielefeld. But since then, they've lost to Dortmund, Mainz, Stuttgart, and FC Köln, so uh, it has not been going well for Wolfsburg, and it's it's a shame because there's a lot of talent on this team. When you look at their roster, uh, you can see it. Cone Castiles, if you just start right in the back, is a very solid goalkeeper. And when you have defenders like Mbabu and John Brooks, uh, Maxence Lacroix, I mean, these are all very highly rated players. Uh, Rydal Baku, uh, those are just to name a few, but Dig even deeper. You have Maxi Arnold, Maximilian Philip, Jerome Rousselon, uh, you know, to even go with Daniel Ginsick, uh, Lucas Nemecha, who unfortunately is battling an ankle injury for this one, Luca Waldschmidt, and Wout Weghorst. So there's talent here. There is a lot of talent here, but it's really a matter of can they put it all together? And they just have not been able to do that. Of course, they had the coaching change. Uh, earlier in the season and that everything has essentially unraveled with that since then. Right now, uh, Florian Kohfeldt, who took over from Mark Van Bommel, uh, has not been able to stabilize things at all. And I think that's a big issue. Uh, Kohfeldt, of course, was at Werder Bremen. uh, And after a short stint of success there, uh, kind of saw things unravel there as well. So this is this is not good for Wolfsburg. Uh, they are in a spot where they actually kind of need to win this game. But 
Bayern Munich is no pushover. Bayern Munich is no slouch. And Bayern Munich is playing really, really well right now. So I don't anticipate Wolfsburg to be able to get back on the winning track, even if they are desperate. They're a little banged up and probably not deep enough to work against uh, the Bavarians in this match. Uh, it looks like as of now, and we're recording this on a Thursday night, the night before the game, Lucas Nemecha is out with an ankle injury. While he's listed as will not play, I don't know. Every time I see these uh, listings, I'm always hesitant to speak in superlatives because you just don't know. Uh, there is also Admir Mamedi who is out. He has a muscle injury. Jerome Rousselon is battling a yellow card suspension. Xavier Schlager is also out with a knee injury. Uh, there are a couple of players listed as questionable for Wolfsburg, one being Luca Waldschmidt, uh, who has an illness right now. And it would probably be good if he was available <laughs> for Wolfsburg because they're going to need all the help they can get. Of course, when you think about Wolfsburg, and, and while they do have a lot of good players like we talked about, uh, the person I always kind of go back to is Valt Weghorst, who uh, he's been involved in 41% of Wolfsburg's league goals this year, six goals, one assist. Uh, he is the big man. He is the, the focal point of their offense. Unfortunately for the team, they have not been able to get him at probably as involved as he would like, and certainly not as involved as they would like, because he is a very productive player, but right now is not quite putting up the numbers even though he's got a pretty good percentage there of, of participation in their goals, he's not quite putting up the numbers you would want out of a player uh, with that kind of talent. So um, Wolfsburg, it, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, they're going to have to go to the Allianz Arena. And even with no spectators, it's not going to be a match where I think anyone can look at Wolfsburg right now and say that they would be a favorite. As for me, uh, you know, I'm, obviously going to favor Bayern Munich in this one, even without Kingsley Coman, Leon Goretzka, Joshua Kimmich, Joseph Stanisic, or Quarantan Tolisso. Uh, and I guess I should mention Eric Maxim Chupo-Motang as well. Uh, it does not appear as if Julian Nagelsmann is going to be taking any chances with those players. So anyone that's remotely banged up at this point, I think Nagelsmann is content to let them get a little extra rest head into the holiday break, which of course he is giving the team a lot of days off, which was not expected, but uh, probably much needed. So any of those players that I, that I mentioned, they probably won't play. And uh, I'm sure that they could use the time to get themselves straight, to get healed and to hopefully be able to come back on January 2nd and be ready to go. Obviously with some of those injuries like Kingsley Coman's, uh, Muscle injury, uh, Leon Goretzka's knee injury, they may require a little more time. Same thing, I guess you could say the same thing for Josip Stanisic. Uh, what we do know, though, and which is somewhat good news, is that we should see Marcel Sabitzer back at least on the bench for Bayern Munich. I would assume that we would see him as a sub if he's able to go. Uh, with Sabitzer, he is a player who needs field time. He needs to get acclimated to this Bayern Munich team. He is so talented and one of the players that could really be impactful over the course of the season if he is able to integrate himself into this. And he has not been able to do that yet. And whether that's his problem, the team's problem, or the coach's problem, we don't know. But things have not really worked out for Sabitzer. Of course, in this one, he is likely to sit behind Mark Roca 
and Jamal Musiala as the two teams starting midfielders. And I don't think you would have found anyone who would have predicted that uh, on December 17th uh, of 2021. There's no one that would have pinpointed you'd have a starting double pivot of Musiala and Roca. But here we are. Here the bleep we are. And those two did fairly well against Stuttgart. Uh, they were solid. Roca was put in a position where he didn't have a lot of responsibility, but uh, with that, he handled everything that came his way perfectly. He had a good passing percentage. He looked good defensively. Musiala, of course, was then given a little bit more free reign to join the play. So uh, as we talked about earlier in the week, it really looked more like a 4-1-4-1 formation because Musiala was so free to be able to roam and get up into the play. Uh, so, when factoring all of that in, when we look at this match, I think Bayern Munich's going to come in. Uh, they're going to be able to score. I don't want to say at will, but they're going to have a good chance to put three or four goals up. And I'm not sure that Wolfsburg, for even as desperate as they are, I'm not sure they're going to be able to get it together. They need this winter pause as much as anyone just to get straight. They need some time away from the game, I think. And then they need to regroup in January, come back and try and salvage what's left of their season because right now things aren't working well. I will say Bayern Munich is going to win this match 3-0. So that's my prediction. That's where we're at on the Bundesliga match between Bayern and Wolfsburg. So, yeah, that one will take place in under 24 hours from the time of me recording this. So hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully we all get our weekend started out right, and that will be a lot of fun. But as for some of the other big news that we saw this week, Obviously, the biggest thing was the whole debacle that we saw with the Champions League draw, where there were errors with the pots and Bayern originally drew Atletico Madrid. And of course, we saw the social media post from Atletico, uh, which kind of uh, said that they were uh, putting in an inquiry to see why things worked out the way they did. And of course, eventually, UEFA did what I did not think they would do. I thought there was no way they would redraw it, but they did. And when they did that, Bayern Munich was then able to draw Arbe, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, which of course is going to be a pretty fascinating matchup. Bayern is the better, deeper, and more talented team, but Salzburg can make life hell for you. They've got some really good talent. Kareem Adiemi, Brendan Aronson, among two of the many talented players that Salzburg has. I would especially encourage Bayern Munich fans when we get to that stage to keep an eye on Aronson because he's a player, one, he has Philadelphia area roots. He's from Medford, New Jersey, uh, which is really not that far from where I sit tonight. Uh, but he is a player who has good playmaking ability. He's fast. He's a good dribbler. He's been improving with his finishing and uh, has really made the jump from Philadelphia Union Academy player to the Philadelphia Union to Red Bull Salzburg. And now he's getting a lot of interest from uh, clubs such as Leeds, among others. So I think our Arbe Leipzig is another club that is uh, pretty interested in him. And I think he's got a uh, level of talent that would let him be successful in the Bundesliga. He may not get the acclaim of players such as uh, Christian Pulisic or some of the other younger American players uh, that are really uh, being pumped up. But Aronson is one of these dynamic players who can really impact the game. So when we get to that stage, we can talk more about that. But he is definitely a player for Bayern Munich fans to watch. 
he's actually a player that has a very Bayern Munich style of game, uh, for lack of a better term. So he is a, a kid to watch. And, uh, you know, to me, that's a, it's a pretty good matchup. It's definitely a matchup that Bayern Munich should win, uh, and they should win pretty handily, but it should be fun. Uh, Salzburg has a way of making life difficult. So while Bayern is better, deeper, and more talented, uh, there's nothing to say that this is going to be easy for Bayern Munich. Uh, one of the other big stories that we saw over the course of the week was just Sport Build coming out with some inside information where uh, Bayern Munich's summer transfer plans were laid out. And obviously, uh, you know, Robert Lewandowski, Kingsley Coman, and Nicholas Sula are three players who are really in the mix transfer-wise. Uh, Sula, of course, has a uh, contract expiring uh, next June, so he is a player that Bayern Munich needs to re-sign. He's too valuable, too talented to let walk away for free. That would be a just a, a, a terrible thing for the organization to let happen. But as for Lewandowski and Coman, they both have contracts that run out in 2023, but they are two players that are looking to settle their respective futures at this point. Kingsley Coman has been linked to many different clubs, whether it's Barcelona, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, PSG. Uh, they all are rumored to have interest. Chelsea, they're all rumored to have interest in Coman, and Coman being the superior talent that he is would fit in in any of those clubs. And I think we've seen the best of Kingsley Coman of late, where he has uh, not just exerted himself with his speed and his dynamic dribbling ability, but he has been uh, a good finisher. He has made smart decisions in the box for the most part. And those are a couple of the things that I think most people criticized him for uh, earlier in his career. But he has matured to the point where he is a world-class player. But is he a world-class player that you want to pay 18 to 20 million for? And I think that's where Bayern Munich is hung up. And I don't think that they're going to make that leap. So if Kingsley Coman does not back off of that really high figure that he wants, I do think Bayern Munich could sell him this summer. As for Lewandowski, his case is always interesting because he's kind of back in that wishy-washy mode off the field where he obviously wants to extend his deal with Bayern Munich, but he wants to do it on his terms. He wants to do it for a certain amount of years. He wants to make a certain amount of money. And the club really has to decide, do they want to be in a position where they're paying Lewandowski upwards of 20 to 25 million euro when he's 37 to 38 years old? Uh, how long do they want to extend him? Uh, and, and really, how much do they want to pay him over the course of that next contract? Uh, to me, I would think Byron would want to go with a shorter deal and maybe even add more money. But I don't think Lewandowski wants that because I think it's pretty obvious he can get more money on the open market. Wherever he would transfer to, any of the clubs that would pay for him uh, and what Byron would be looking at is about a 60 to 70 million euro payday uh, coming back to them. But I think any of those clubs, whether it's PSG or Chelsea or Liverpool or, who, or whoever, they would be able to pay Lewandowski the salary that he wants. I'm not fully convinced that he really wants to leave. I think this is a, the same kind of ploy that we saw back in 2018 where Pini Zahavi uh, starts to work his media contacts. We get a lot of stories released. 
And then we see Lewandowski linked to just a ton of players. And it's always funny because when these stories start to leak, it's always in succession. So it's like Robert Lewandowski is thinking of Real Madrid. Robert Lewandowski could picture himself at FC Barcelona. Robert Lewandowski is wanted by Chelsea. Jurgen Klopp wants to reunite with Robert Lewandowski. We see all of those, right? And while all of them are actually feasible, I'm sure, I'm just not sure Lewandowski wants to make that move. And uh, with his status as really the world's top player right now, he has the right and kind of the determination to be able to pick where he wants to go. Uh, I don't know one that Byron is really uh, keen on selling him at this point. I don't, like I said, I don't know that he wants to move on, but that was the plan A released by Sport Build. They want to extend the contracts of Lewandowski, Coman, and Sula. I've talked about Sula endlessly on this podcast. Sula is, to me, a foundational defender. He's been the best defender on the team this season, and they need to bring him back. This is not even debatable in my mind. But as for plan B, and this is where it gets interesting, uh, Sport Build looked at what Bayern Munich would do as a plan B scenario should the any of those plan A scenarios fail. So this is no shock, and it should be no shock to someone. Sport Build said that Bayern Munich is still very interested in Borussia Dortmund's Erling Haaland, who has a contract buyout this upcoming summer. Now, we've seen the back and forth. We've seen multiple club officials say, oh, Bayern's not interested in Haaland. But it all comes back to what Brazo said just a few months ago when he said we'd be crazy not to at least be looking at him. Uh, yeah, every club in the world has to have Holland on their radar. This is a generational player, big, strong, fast, able to score every way on the pitch. He can do everything. He is a player that could define the next generation. And if you believe in the cracked out theory that I have that he actually wants to play for Bayern Munich, I don't think that this is an unreasonable scenario to think that Bayern Munich has interest in him and he has a lot of interest in them. For Holland to make this move, obviously a couple of things would have to happen. Uh, first off, there's the the seventy to eighty million uh, buyout in his contract that Bayern Munich would have to come up with. Then there's the expected twenty to twenty five million salary that he would, I'm sure, require, which is fair because aside of Lewandowski, Holland is probably the second best striker on earth right now. Where this gets murky with a lot of things is the agent fees the sperm donor fee that Holland's dad wants for producing Holland, which is to me just insane. Like, hi, uh, you have to pay my dad because uh, he was able to produce superior sperm. And that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's nuts to me, but uh, no pun intended with that, I guess, uh, that Holland uh, really this, this whole financial package for him just keeps getting bigger and bigger because of all these outliers. Like really what is Mino Rayola? What is he doing or earning on this uh, to deserve such huge and exorbitant agent fees? And this is where, you know, we'll find out if Holland is really a different bird, which we kind of think that he is. He's, you know, a farm boy. He's more low key than I think most people uh, realize. And if he really wants to move to Bayern Munich, which is my theory, he may be able to get Rayola and his dad to lower some of the expectations they might have in terms of fees. Uh, yeah. So for me, Holland is one of those, he's one of those players that 
regardless of who is on the roster, even if it's Lewandowski, I think Bayern Munich has to make a play for at the stage because he's never going to be this cheap again. And I've, I've written about this. I've talked about it, but I, I honestly don't think there's a reason not to do this. I think they have to pursue Holland and I think they have to kind of, they have to make it happen. And what I would do is trust Julian Nagelsmann to find a way to get those two players on the pitch together and make things work. It, it, to me, it's it's a crazy scenario, but if, if you take Nagelsmann's back three, which he definitely wants to implement, and you have uh, either a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-4-2-1, however you want to design it, with that top three being Thomas Muller, Robert Lewandowski, and Erling Haaland, that's a lot of goals. And if you have a left wing back like Alfonso Davies penetrating down the field, I think you're going to you're gonna create a lot of mismatches. And with midfielders like Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka uh, really tying down the middle of the field, I mean, that, that would be, to me, uh, one of the most powerful teams, if not the most powerful team on earth. So with that, uh, you know, that's my case for Holland. I think you do it because he's a generational talent and you have no choice. Uh, this, of course, all becomes moot if Lewandowski decides to move on because then you have to get Holland because he becomes that much more important. So uh, the other players as part of that plan B listed by Sport Bill were Usman Dembele from FC Barcelona and Chelsea's Antonio Rudiger. Dembele is a former Dortmund player who obviously great dribbler, great speed, uh, good around the net. He's also a free transfer. The problem with Dembele is, uh, honestly, he is a player who is going to require a huge salary. And, it, you know, you're in the same spot you would be with Kingsley Coman. Do you want to take a wing who may not even be part of your functional offense? You may not even have a wing position anymore uh, if, if Nagelsmann does change things. Um you know, or even if you stuck with a four-two-three-one, uh, you know, Dembele would be part of a rotation with players like Gnabry and Jamal Musiala and Leroy Sané. Should uh, should Coman actually move on? So I, I just don't think Bayern Munich, even with a free transfer for, for Dembele, I don't think they can meet the salary expectations that he has. Now, Rudiger is an interesting uh, figure in all of this. And while he's more closely linked at this point to Real Madrid and PSG, uh, Rudiger is not going to cost anywhere near as much as salary-wise as some of these other players that have been listed. Uh, Rudiger also being a Germany international would be very appealing to Bayern Munich, particularly if Sula leaves. And if Sula leaves, this really could, um, you know, could be bad, I think, for the club in general, and it's not a knock on Rudiger, but uh, I think Rudiger is a good player, but I, it sounds weird to say, I don't think he's quite uh, what Sula can be and where I think Sula is headed. So uh, while I do have, uh, you know, a lot of respect for Rudiger's game, and I think he could be a very productive and good player at Bayern Munich, my preference in that deal would be to get Nicholas Sula and keep him there. But those are the plan B options, Holland, Usman Dembele, and Antonio Rudiger. And then plan C is the DEFCON 5 option. And that, <laughs> let's just take a quick look at those. So first there was Inter Milan's Latara Martinez. Uh, he has a big fan in Carl Heinz Rumenega, But Rumenega, of course, is no longer 
a formal part of the club at this point in, in terms of making decisions. So while Rumenega may have uh, an, uh, an affinity for Martinez, I, I'm not sure that that's realistic at this point. As for Fiorentina's Dusan Vlahovic, uh, it's very interesting because Vlahovic is a player whose stock has just skyrocketed of late. Uh, he's a very good player, target man, striker. Uh, he's producing in Syria, so he, you know, he's proving himself. The problem when you look at Vlahovic is he's a player whose value now has skyrocketed so much that Fiorentina is looking at a nine-figure transfer fee for him, which I can guarantee you would take Bayern Munich out of the mix. Uh, the other player who uh, was an offensive player who was listed as part of Plan C was Federico Chiesa, or Chiesa who not only uh, has been linked to Bayern Munich several times in the past, but is uh, said to have a big fan in Julian Nagelsmann. The problem with Chiesa is Again, he's on loan from Fiorentina to Juventus. Juventus has an obligation to buy. Uh, that all becomes very messy. I don't think Juventus really wants to see uh, the player that most most fans think is Italy's best player in the world at the moment or Italy's best player uh, from their country at the moment. Um, in Chiesa, I don't think they're very interested in watching him walk away or letting him go. Uh, I don't think that is uh, part of their plan. So as, as big a fan as I am of Kies's game and how good I think he is, I, I don't think that's realistic. The other name we saw was a defender, and that was SC Freiburg's Nico Schlotterbeck. Uh, Schlotterbeck is an up-and-coming German defender. We've talked about him on this show in the past. Uh, I could absolutely see Bayern Munich making a play for him. He would be a cheap option. Even a player, you know, he's even a player they could stash at Freiburg or somewhere else if they really wanted to until there is more ample playing time opening up along that back line. But again, if Sewell leaves and Nagelsmann does move to a back three, there could be immediate playing time opening up there. So uh, that was kind of the most interesting story that we saw this week. And, you know, a lot of people will roll their eyes and they'll talk about sport build. Um, you know, not being reliable, but sometimes, you know, they do have stories that are generated based on real and actual information. And I don't, I don't doubt this one. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I believe all the finer details, but I, you know, this has been a big theory of mine for a while about Holland. I think he wants to play for Bayern Munich. I, I really do. I don't think that he's so set on Real Madrid or Barcelona or Chelsea or anywhere. And I don't actually even think He's the kind of player that's just going to opt for whoever pays him most. I think he's got a weird, I don't know, idea of how he wants to spend his career, where he wants to spend it. And to me, there's always been something there with him about Bayern Munich. And maybe I'm reading too, in, in too much into it. Maybe I've maybe read things a little too closely that he said. But uh, my anticipation is that Bayern Munich is going to be active in whatever happens with Haaland this summer and whether they can actually land him or not. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how things go with that. There are a lot of variables that could happen, but I, I don't believe all the red herrings that have been out there from Bayern Munich's brass stating they're not interested or it can't work with Haaland and Lewandowski working together. I actually think it can, and I would do it in a heartbeat, but like I always say, I'm just an idiot sitting behind a laptop, uh, talking to you guys. Um, so one of the other things that, that I wanted to, to talk about is 
I, I got my booster yesterday, right? And I'm on uh, the hashtag team Moderna. And let me tell you, uh, if I sound different or if I sound wrecked, it's because I am, because that was incredibly, <laughs> uh, it was incredibly difficult to deal with. Uh, and here's how the day went for me. So, you know, I, I got the booster around 2 p.m. Eastern, right? And the rest of the night, I was fine. I woke up at 5.30 the next morning and you know, I was a little off, right? I, things did not really like feel great, but I was like, oh, this, this isn't as bad as when I got the second shot of Moderna. But by 7 a.m., which was just an hour and a half after I woke up, I was a mess. I felt like I got hit by a train. I basically passed out on the couch. Uh, it was not good. It was not good at all. I've been achy all day and I'm finally at 10 p.m. here, starting to feel a little bit better. Still have a headache, but uh, man, I don't know what it is, but these, uh, the shots have killed me. They have absolutely nailed me, uh, you know, throughout this process. Even the first time where most people don't get anything, I immediately got a headache. Immediately. It was instantaneous. So, um, you know, hopefully my voice isn't too crazy and hopefully I don't sound like I'm all drugged up because I swear I'm not. Other than the Advil, I think I've probably taken about 12 Advil over the past 24 hours, which is probably not good and probably not advised, but that's the only thing to really calm that splitting head headache I have and the uh, constant aching I have just about everywhere else in my body. So apologies if I sound like I'm out of it, but I swear my mind is kind of fresh while my body feels like trash. So, hey, thanks for joining us. I uh, love bringing this podcast to you every week. Uh, please feel free to drop some comments in the post and also reach out to me on social media at the Barrel Blog. As always, you can get our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71 you can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy the match. I think it's going to be a good one. Bayern Munich should be able to do a lot of fun things. They should be able to really take it to Wolfsburg and take advantage of just how poor that the Wolves have been over the course of the past four to six weeks. So we will see you next time. Have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the match.